This is Agents Influence Podcast. So for us and other strategic investors, I don't need billion dollar eggs. We get in early, we help these companies by putting them alongside brokers that know what they're doing and are happy to help them build. And ultimately we put them in position to get to a point where I'm not gonna even throw out a number. And because of the size of our funds and how early we got in and the value we added, the math works for us. And so we're happy to play in that space. I'm Jason Cass and we're going to help you think differently. Change your agency. Change your finances. Change your family. And in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another episode of Agents Influence Podcast Conversations with me, Jason Cass. And today I have the one, the only, I guarantee you, you haven't heard from this guy because I didn't even know who he was. Well, he's one of those calls, loyal listeners, that we got on the phone, we started talking. We're both like insurance geeks. We love the industry. We love technology. We love all kinds of anything insurance. And it was one of those calls, and Adam can verify this, that I said, we just got to stop. Like, just stop the call. Let's get on a podcast, dude, because this this is the stuff that they need to hear. Now, we we don't, that's a lot of pressure on us, Adam, that we have to like reincorporate all that shit, but I think we can do it. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Adam Blumenkranz. You nailed it, Cass. Yeah. I'm yeah. happy to be here. I'm ecstatic to be here. You're 100% right. And I'm shitting my pants, not because I'm nervous about being here, but you're right. We had real magic that first call. Yeah. We were just starting to get going and you're like, stop, stop, stop. We're going to talk in three weeks. And rec-. I'm like, I don't know if we could recreate this, but sure. Sure we will. We will. So and tell yeah. them, give us your story. Tell us who you were and where you are now. Sure. So my story starts with, I've been in insurance all my career. After law school, I started out doing insurance litigation for two years before transitioning to an insurance brokerage firm that had been in my family for 95 years. Wow. Started by a great-grandfather way down the line. I still have a zillion family members still in the business. I usually say for better or for worse because I don't know my audience, but most definitely with this audience, for better, insurance has been in my blood and my family for forever. Wow. Um, and so after insurance litigation, thankfully I transitioned to working for that agency right outside New York City, full service shop. We did PNC benefits, life insurance, a cool tidbit about that firm. Still to this day, we write the insurance for several, uh, large sports related organizations. Wow. Some that's cool. Teams did some cool stuff there. Um, I primarily focused on the property and casualty side of that business. So I've done everything from teeny tiny main street bops all the way up through brokering large risk management accounts, including within our sports department. A couple years after I started there, a little bittersweet, but NFP, a large national acquisitive broker acquired that agency. I can talk about NFP for hours, but I won't. Fantastic shop, fantastic partner for us. The first three years post that acquisition cast, I remained on the brokerage side. I've been a broker for several years. I know what works, what doesn't. 
Uh, I've produced. I've been on the account management side. I've, I've struggled to collect submission data from insureds. I've gone back and forth with carriers. I've lost business that I had no business losing. I had the better product. But someone's brother's cousin's aunt's first child just opened up a shop. So so I've been through all of that. I've experienced all that. I love insurance, which is why it's all I've done my entire career. But in and around that time, so 2014, 2015, I saw the writing on the wall. Technology innovation going to impact this industry in a massive way. Wasn't going to happen overnight. And I want to be a part of it. And so while I was a broker off the side of my desk, I started working with tools and companies before InsureTech was even the name that was used. 99% of those projects, epic failures, but I was in the game. Right. Learned. Uh, My name was out there. And so fast forward 2018, NFP, to their credit, decided to centralize a lot of what they were doing on the venture and innovation side, launched a fund, brought some folks from outside the industry. All I had done at that point in my career was PNC brokerage Uh and started working with tools. And so I was, I guess, a natural fit. And so I joined the fund in 2018, originally called NFP Ventures, now Distributed Ventures. Cass, if you want to get into the specifics later in the conversation, we can. But I've been doing this ever since, uh, full-time venture investor, almost exclusively focused on PNC and SureTech opportunities. Yeah. And so that must be how me and you really started getting that same sphere with what's going on with indie tech and how I'm really created that. And that makes sense. And so well, let's get more into those specifics. So when you say that you're a venture, uh, tell us what you do every day. What are you doing when you wake up and you go to bed? What's your day look like? Well, I love my job. I feel very lucky. Amen. That doesn't mean I don't miss. And you and I had just discussed this before we got on. I, I miss being a broker. I tell my partners all the time. I tell anyone who listen. It's a fascinating and potentially lucrative and rewarding business. Wow. And so I miss that. And so I stay close to my friends and family members that are in the business. But today, exclusively to your point, on the venture investing side. And so I'd say about half of my time I spend talking to new indie tech, PNC and sure tech related companies that come from all over the place. I have a Bit of a brand, to your point, somewhat of an unknown commodity, potentially with some independent agents, but we're working on that today. So some deal flow comes to me. I have an incredible team. I'm a nerd too. There's not a goddamn article out there that I don't read. So I'll come across names and cold call, reach out. That I love it. Um, you know, I'm doing conferences. I'm out there having drinks, getting dinner with people. So I get introduced to companies so many different ways. Right. So I'd say I spend about half my time just shooting the shit with other indie tech and sure tech related companies. 25% of my time, I'd say talking to and advising our current portfolio, some of which, some of companies cast I sit on the board of. And then the other 25% of my time, and I think this is an important part of the story. I spend speaking to insurance folks that are in the business today. And one of the reasons why, and there are many reasons why I do that, and some from within NFP and some outside NFP. I mean, look, you and I are talking and have right. a relationship now, but I kind of chuckle at insure tech investors that haven't spent a minute working in this industry. Okay. I'm not saying it's impossible to learn the nuances of our industry on the fly, but you and I both know it is very, very difficult. And so 
I am very conscious and very aware of the fact that I don't want to become that investor that I kind of laugh at. In other words, you know, I don't talk. Thank you. Let's let him finish. Go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost. Here's here's the punchline. I'm concerned that if I go dark for two years, in other words, I tell all my friends and buddies from the industry, you know, on the brokerage or carrier side, then I don't need you. I'm totally focused on this investing thing. And then I wake up and I start looking at a company cast and I'm like, oh, I know exactly what you do. And I know exactly how we're going to get this to work. And then I pick up the phone and call my broker carrier friends and say, I know all your problems. This company's going to solve them. They turn to me and say, Adam, dude, we haven't had that problem in two years, pal. Where you been? And so I'm very concerned that my information becomes stale that way. And so for that reason, to your original point, I spend 25% of my time making sure that I'm staying up so to date. Good. Latest and greatest in terms of what's actually happening on the ground floor in this industry. Adam, you just made me realize that that I think is a concern of many. It's one of my concerns that if I sell my agency, will I lose my effectiveness of knowing what it's like to be on the ground? So that's crazy that I think that it makes me feel better in a weird way that you think that way because I know that that's a normal way of thinking. Let's talk yep. about that interesting day. Now, let's really talk about something and jump back. You said around 2013, 2014, you realized technology, boom, boom, boom. And holy mm -hmm. shit has it ever, right? It's like this was the slowest moving industry in the world until around 2016, 2017, really start to see some moving. I remember if you're new in the business and you've been in five, six, seven years, you may not know uh, if you're a loyal listener listening, but like back in 2012, 2013, 2014, Adam, I was getting two and three phone calls a day and just not me, other Asians. From mm -hmm. these young kids going, hey, man, uh, what problems do you have in your business uh, that, that we can help yeah. you solve? I mean, we were it was like, what the hell is going on? And I, in my own cocoon of my agency, didn't see it, didn't realize like, oh, shit, this is happening, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Here's what I want to bring this forward to, Adam. Yep. We can talk about things moving and changing and getting faster, and we can talk about COVID, and we can talk about 21 and 22, but... 2023 with AI has been an explosion. Bro, we have crossed a threshold, dude. We have crossed a point of no return. And I'm not and I'm not a scared guy. I'm not one of those yep. dudes that believes it's a scary thing. I'm yep. just talking about the emphasis of our humanity and what we're accomplishing and and becoming mm -hmm. superhuman and people we are at the very ground level of this shit. So we talk mm -hmm. about, man, slow industry, right? Then 2014, 25 to start speeding up. And then 2023, mm -hmm. bam, straight to the freaking moon, right? Yeah. Freaking yeah. crazy. Yeah. Or just not the industry, just everything in the world yeah. with technology. Yeah. Tell me what you I, think, Adam. I totally agree. Straight to the moon in the sense that now we can see it, but we're not there yet, right? No. Like we haven't really implemented or incorporated chat GPT or generative AI just yet, but I'm right there with you. The conversation that I have on a pretty regular basis is 10 years ago, to your point, everyone spoke about digital transformation in the industry and you know everyone thought maybe five to 10 years. And the reality is we've made progress, but just like general digital transformation going to take longer than expected. And there's good reason for that. Our industry Absolutely. moves slow and it usually works. We'll get there is the point. Then blockchain four or five years ago came and everyone said, oh my God, this is it. Blockchain overnight, it's going to solve every problem. And I don't know about you, but I was skeptical uh -huh. when I first heard, just because it didn't feel like the use cases were there. Sure, this technology made a lot of sense and 
certificates of insurance and enforce policy administration. Of you know, of course, if you could snap your fingers and use blockchain, it'd be great. But if you knew the intricacies, and this goes back to our earlier point of the industry, you would know that blockchain is not gonna uh, become a big part of our industry anytime soon. Not to say fast forward 20, 30 years. Right. But all right ain't gonna happen. Agree. Fast forward to chat GPT, generative AI. Totally different story. <laughs> Incredible technology, and the use cases are here. There, and I'm sure your listeners, well after said, a couple Adam. of the, yeah, after a couple of the podcasts and the guests you've had, are playing around with it. I do too. I mean, I type in just going back to my broker days. Sure, I use it, you know, for venture investing purposes. But forget about that for a sec. I go back to my broker days. These things haven't been trained yet specifically for a broker, specifically for an insurance use case. And you type in things like, hey, you know, this is my profile as a small business or an individual. What policies are relevant to me? And it'll give you a B plus, A minus answer. It and will. we haven't even started working on really building this well industry. Said. And then you follow up with, well, you know, I've heard that this endorsement or this exclusion exists what do you think and it'll give you an answer and then from there you know the possibilities are endless but i'm with you we're there i'm talking to my broker friends on a pretty regular basis about where it fits in cash because now that's the million dollar question sure high level chat gpt generative ai insurance no doubt about it where do you start what's the best entry point in so i say i say I've seen the best entry point in, okay? So we're, this isn't a debate or anything. I'm just going to give you an example of what I've seen. There's a, a company out there and I have, and we, we are getting the technology on Monday. We I've seen, I've got a video of it. I showed a couple people of it happening, but the AI is built into the browser. And when the yep. AI is built into the browser, I think this has huge possibilities. And when they can build the, when I can put the information into the system so that the AI can grab it and it can yeah. hold it, let's say in the browser extension or wherever it's holding it, but using that, I don't care if company A can't hook up with this raider or company B won't hook up with this, uh, this other carrier. That doesn't matter to me. If I have the information, I can go to that carrier and drop the information in and go to another company if we're talking specifically mm -hmm. about quoting, and I could drop mm -hmm. the information in there and I could go to another and drop it in there. And we're already mm -hmm. seeing this technology. So where mm -hmm. I can see that is, is when you think about everything that we do on a daily basis happens inside of a browser, whether that's Safari, whether that's Chrome, whether that's Bing, right? Everything's mm -hmm. there. And I think the AI being in there could possibly very quickly eliminate the need for APIs and heavy integrations because I don't need nationwide to connect with my management system through all these ways. If I already have all the information, I can just drop it into nationwide and then drop it wherever I need it to drop. And yep. if the UX changes and they move you know, the date of birth from one app question to page five, the AI knows that. So you don't yep. have to, it's more than RPA or mapping, yep. right? Yep, yep, 100%. That's, uh, that's freaking mind-blowing. Yeah. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. 
Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. So offline, we'll have to talk about some more of the specifics there. But the point is, I totally agree. But even hearing you say that, if a company is going to build this, Cass, they're going to build it alongside you. They're going to build it alongside me and 50 others like us. Oh they're, my not God. Gonna build, they're not going to build it oh. alongside Hartford. I mean, makes, right, right. But also outside the industry, meaning from... I, you know, I want to be careful because these are all my friends, but non-strategic partners, non-strategic investors that may have big checkbooks, fancy names, but very little in terms of cast, the ability to get to you That's right. or to your listeners or right. to me, my colleagues and my friends. And then if you, even if you can get to them, they don't have the relationships. Uh -huh. That we have. And that's also important because during diligence, and I'll kind of take this in a different, down a different path real quick, and then we'll come right back to your point. During diligence, everyone's got a friend that knows a friend that knows a friend within the industry. And so some, some funds that are outside our industry and have, you know, a broad mandate cast, they invest in 16 different verticals and 34,000 different industries. And then you ask them, why are you interested in InsureTech? Well, one of our LPs is an executive at an insurance company. And so we feel like we have a strategic tie into the industry that way. Or, you know, or, or one of our, you know, junior associates worked at an accounting firm or a consulting firm for a couple of years. And one of the 15 different verticals that they covered was insurance. And so we feel like we have a firm grasp on the insurance industry. They really think that, don't they, Adam? And then compare that to someone like you when you make an investment to the extent you do, Cass, or someone in your network that makes an investment to the extent they do and picking up the phone and calling you or me picking up the phone and calling someone from within my network or some of my family or friends from within the independent agency channel. Think about the different level of value or detail that you get from that conversation versus a generalist fund or non-strategic fund that has random relationship with mm -hmm. the industry. So Adam, I think I remember where we, cause where we started this and really got heated was the fact that we were talking about there's insure tech and there's indie tech, right? And I, as since then, I've thought about this a lot since our conversation. And I realized that all indie tech is insure tech, but not all insure tech is indie tech. And if you really kind of think about that, that's where I'm trying to separate because I'm not saying we're not insure tech, but why I'm saying indie tech is what you just said. When it comes to that customer journey from the beginning to the end, the insure tech can help us at the beginning, right? Because it's qualifying leads, converting leads, creating CRM systems, shit that every sales organization needs, right? But what you're saying right here, and I loyal listeners, I hope you're hearing how in tune Adam is with our industry because he's exactly right because he is part of our industry 90-some years. He's been in it long and knows more about it than I do. But where we're looking at, it has to do with after the sale, right? The sale and then after. 
because I say this a lot, and I said this last week, and I'm so glad we had this conversation. And and that is is that not only do we do it differently than every other industry, but we mm-hmm. also do it differently from each other. 100%. That's how intricate this gets. You know what I mean? 100%. And that's what 100%. you're coming at there. You can't. You 100%. you have to have that relationship. This company that I was talking about. They're dealing with me and three other agencies, and we've just been screen recording is all we've been doing is screen recording our quoting and everything we do. And they're just feeding it to this AI who's learning these situations and learning some pretty cool things. So he has to have these two guys. They have to have that connection. uh, They were introduced to me from uh, Frank Sittner. Frank Sittner. Um, you know Frank is Love Frank. Frank, yeah, Frank is Frank is right the out, godfather right Frank. of technology. Oh yes, he is. Yeah. So Adam, so, uh, dude, dude, you're yeah. so right on about that, and I All love right, that you say- have that perspective. Yeah. So by the way, this entire time I've just been trying to say things that like triggered some of the stuff that you said last call. If we can bring back that magic, so I, I'm glad I'm making some progress. But <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing I want to hit is love Adam. You're great. You know, and this applies to some of these funds that I'm talking about, but also folks within the industry cast that no insurance like you and I do, but for some reason think that technology and innovation has to change things overnight. Otherwise, it's a failure. That's not true. Patience sometimes is something that I don't see enough from folks within our industry, whether it's someone on the ground floor who knows there's a better way to do it, tries a new tool cast and just doesn't see the benefit right away and so throws it out the window or an executive at a at a broker or carrier for that matter that says, yes, let's get into insure tech, let's get into indie tech. We know our industry is slightly outdated and inefficient. There's some new, new tools out there. Let's give them a go. And then 12, 18, even 24 months go by and they say, where's the ROI? And it's uh-huh. like, well longer than expected because of 10,000 things that came up that you and I could have predicted. And so the executive was ever running, it kind of like pulls the plug and it's like, no, 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 no. It's going to take a while. And so I'm not saying you need to revive every single or keep afloat every single project, but you have to be patient. You have to understand that the changes we're talking about in this industry Unless you're Jason Cass, because you move very quickly. Yeah. You've got a nice playbook that works. You've kind of done this for a while. But for most of us, it takes longer than expected. And so getting in the game is one, aligning incentives properly, which is a whole nother conversation we can have because brokers, carriers, I don't care who you are, everyone's got a full plate. And so to work on some of these projects that in the short term probably cause a little more pain, but long-term significant benefit, you have to ensure that you're properly incentivizing folks the right way. Otherwise, they're going to say, Adam, Cass, you know, whoever's asking me to take on this new innovative project, I don't have the time. I've got to focus on whatever I have to focus on this week. If I get to it, great. If I don't, the reality is I'm going to be promoted or fired, not based on, at least today, this innovative, cool new project you're telling me about, it's about my core work. Mm-hmm. Something else I come across from time to time. Properly incentivizing. Yeah. Well, you know, loyal listeners, if you're if you're not actually watching, I'm kind of just looking around because I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm talking to so many tech people right now through indie tech. And like you like totally get it. Like it's it's weird. Like these are the things that I'm kind of trying to to explain to a lot of these tech carriers, because a lot of them, they, they do, they, um, especially some of them that already have money, right. And they're coming in and they're these insure tech carriers and, 
And the first thing I tell them is so much is this is about relationships, dude. Like this is about relationships. This is a very, very small industry. We all kind of know each other and we all take care of each other. But yeah, mm-hmm. and it's so sometimes some of the things you're saying, it's very kind of refreshing to understand that not even I'm not being funny, but I am being funny. I mean, somebody from the Midwest looking at someone from the East Coast and say, wow, you actually realize what we're doing. We're really just not on the parking lot that you guys fly over every once in a while, right? <laughs> like we are actually America's kitchen, right? That's where, you know, so. I, I love my, so my partner's from Chicago and uh, he jokes with me that before him and I started working together, I just, and that the Midwest is a fly and that, that's not. <laughs> my buddy Ryan, Han- Ryan Hanley is in New York. He says that all the time. So yeah, yeah he says every once in a while he has to touch down yeah. in, in the <laughs> parking lot. Um, so anyways, yeah, dude, this has been really good. So where, I mean, when it comes to this, uh, right now, um, we're in a unique situation with the way that capital has become, I say it a lot, the dumb money's over. Maybe I'm yep. wrong by saying that, but I think that no, it is. No, you're right. No, you're right. You're How's right. it affecting your industry right now and what you do? Not you so, specifically, uh, but the people, you know, in your- Yeah, the people. So what, you know, what they say out there is the growth market is frozen in other words, the companies that need to insert tech, indie tech, that needs to that need to raise Series B and later, very slow compared to what it once was. And we could have a totally separate conversation. There's good and bad reason for that. Um, but at the early stage cast, which is where I play, pre-seed, seed, Series A, there's as much action as there've ever been. And that's a good thing. Sure, there's some investors that, to your point, you want to call it dumb money. I call them just unsophisticated, related to insurance, have kind mm-hmm. of flipped out of the market because they've made a couple wrong bets and they kind of blame it on the entire industry as opposed to realizing that, no, they just didn't get that specific problem and that there's still a lot of other good things happening. So um, that's kind of like generally what we're seeing. Uh, you know, the other- Adam, way- let me ask you a question. What, one, second, yeah. one second. I want to ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. This, I need this yeah, yeah. from you. You're an expert in this. Yeah. yeah. Explain to a, a loyal listener in a very simplistic terms, angel- seed a b funding yes what's yes. the difference you just said to me you said well if they're in growth that's usually a b or blah 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 blah. like what does right. that mean what can you get can you make that easy yeah so the various stages of venture investing are as follows Cass. um friends and family angel investing that's usually when you have a powerpoint an idea and a founder or a set of founders are going through their network, just looking for friends and family and some angels who write individual, relatively small tickets into these businesses. Can be anywhere from a thousand bucks to, you know, a hundred thousand dollars and anything in between. Okay. Good. I'd say from there, and then potentially even part of that is what's called pre-seed. And so with pre-seed, those are still really early stage businesses. Maybe they've moved from just a PowerPoint to some product not fully built not fully baked probably don't have any revenue yet but there's some product built they're looking to double down on that build and so for that they'll go to larger angels or potentially some pre-seed institutional funds that'll write checks anywhere from a hundred thousand to call it five hundred thousand on the top okay from there you've got a product you may have a pilot customer or two maybe some revenue but not a lot you're looking at a seed round. And so a seed round, usually from institutionals, you may have some angels fill in here and there, but you're usually looking at anywhere from, let's call it 500,000 bucks to a couple million bucks in seed funding. Okay. And then from there, it's game on. 
in theory, in order to get to that Series A round, historically, you needed 500000 to a million bucks in revenue to show you really have something cast that's working. In this market, maybe that number's bumped up a bit. So the right company that's growing, that feels like they're at that inflection point, 500000 in revenue could still get you there. But more times than not, I'm seeing companies need to get to two to three million bucks in revenue okay. in order to get that Series A, which is call it two million to ten million in funding. And then anything after that, so from ten million in funding to a hundred million in funding, let's call growth today Series B and beyond larger funds. So Adam, what would be considered a unicorn then? Someone who starts at the bottom and goes immediately to the top or starts at in the middle and goes to the top? I mean, what would you say? Unicorn, doesn't matter if you've been doing this for 10 minutes or 10 decades. Unicorn is you have a valuation of a billion dollars. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's it. Okay. And, uh, you know, two years ago, companies literally felt like we're in business for 10 minutes and achieved that unicorn status. Now it seems like we come back to reality and it's taking a little while longer, which is healthy. By the way, within insurance, this is an important thing. One of the reasons why some of the unsophisticated insurance investors have left the market, and some understandably so, others not so much, the reality is I'm not sure there are going to be that many billion-dollar unicorn-type exits in a short amount of time within our industry anytime soon. And for these mega funds, casts, they need billion-dollar exits or bust. The math just won't work based on how much money they've raised. And gotcha. so for us good to know. and other strategic investors, I don't need billion dollar exits. We get in early. We help these companies by putting them alongside brokers that know what the hell they're doing and are happy to help them build. And ultimately, we put them in position to get to a point where I'm not going to even throw out a number, but they ultimately sell for something that's very reasonable, nowhere near a billion dollars. And because of the size of our fund, and how early we got in and the value we added, the math works for us. And so we're happy to play in that space. Gotcha. Wow. That was very good, Adam. Thank you. I kind of knew that, but a majority of people have no idea about that, but you did a very good job. Thank you. That was good. Happy to, um, happy to help. Yeah. It, I mean, when it's what you do, it's what you know, right? I know very little, but apparently I know some of that. <laughs> Cut yourself short. Adam, as we wrap up here, buddy, uh, any last minute, any words you want to say to everybody, anybody say anything? This has um, been good and informative. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to do, I'm not going to go crazy in terms of totally self-promoting, but I will say, Cass, please. Um, any independent agents out there that want to talk shop, um, that are interested in seeing, hearing from more early stage companies that may help their business, or just interested in hearing from someone like you, which I'm sure they reach out, or me, who's been doing this for five or six years, who has banged his head against the wall hundreds of times to try to get early stage indie companies to help brokers. I'm here. I've seen it all. I don't know it all, but I know I know a lot related to the companies that are out there, and I'm happy to help. I'm happy to meet new people. I'm happy to get more involved, more ingrained than I already am. Fantastic, man. Appreciate it. Adam, you, uh, you're a jewel. Hope to see you at Indie Tech. Um, obviously, I think that's like right up your alley, and that'll yep. be one of the first times. Are you going to be at um, uh, InsureTech Boston on the 25th, I think, on May? 
But if you if you're gonna be there, I'm gonna be there. I think I might. Reed Holsworth invited me from Ivan's, and he said, "Come on." He he invited me last year, and I couldn't. This year, I'm absolutely busy too. But I think I might fly in like on a Tuesday and fly back out on that Thursday, that next Thursday or whatever. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Okay, okay? for yeah, sure. Look, that's awesome. For that's sure. Awesome. Hey, thank you very much, Adam. I greatly appreciate it. And if anybody wants to find him out there. Blooming Crayons, I know it sounds like a wild name, but it's actually spells just like it sounds. I mean, because it was easy enough that I didn't butcher it. And loyal listeners, you know what I do because I do what I do because I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. I am out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.